0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung Sung and I'm joined by my co-host here, Nick Jurgelis.
1: Hey everyone, good to speak to you all again.
0: I hope uh, you guys are all doing well with your brackets, even though you're probably already done like me.
1: Yeah, look for the Wofford uh, Terriers and the Michigan State uh, uh, Spartans to make it into the Final Four this year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, do not listen to us for basketball advice, for sure seems right. reasonable i don't know <laughs> or at least i won't you can you can listen to los at your own peril
1: <laughs> i always do
0: all right let's get right into it we're gonna talk a little bit more about what's going on in free agency keep you guys up to date and then uh next week we're gonna try to do a quick three round mock draft for the 2015 season and yeah, see how that goes
1: i gotta put some work into that a lot of a uh, lot of moves since last episode a lot of things to talk about
0: yeah, let's uh, let's jump right into it. Sure. So, uh, last episode, we already talked a little bit about Andre Johnson. Yep. At the time, uh, we weren't sure yet if he was going to sign with Indy. Apparently, uh, now it's come out that he and Frank Gore had discussed, and it was kind of a package deal. Pretty cool. So, I think he'll be all right. It'll be a low-end wide receiver two or high-end wide receiver three. I don't think that Johnson's signing really impacts ty hilton all that much nope. although it does uh it does curb the breakout potential a little bit for dante moncrief and Duran carter
1: yeah it hurts moncrief a little bit hurts carter a little bit but does nothing but help andrew luck
0: sounds good to me all right like i said we already discussed that so let's move on
1: sure harry douglas uh signed on with tennessee after uh leaving from atlanta um, the guy's shown that when he when he has spots that he needs to fill in. Uh, last year, 2014, he filled in for uh, Julio Jones um, with 10 catches, 130 yards. So the guy can ball, but Matt Ryan, Zach Mettenberger is not. Douglas is not a guy that I'm targeting to own in any leagues this year, simply because he's signed with Tennessee now.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have any interest in drafting Harry Douglas unless I'm in a super deep league next year. The only two guys that I really care about on Tennessee are going to be Delaney Walker and possibly Bishop Sankey.
1: If anything, in my opinion, I mean the signing of Harry Douglas might help their value a little bit. You know, clear out the middle of the field a little bit. I don't know. I don't think it's going to change much in Tennessee. Mettenberger still Mettenberger, and he hasn't shown me anything yet.
0: No, I agree. I think Kendall Wright will be interesting in PPR, and I'm still I'm still keeping an eye on Justin Hunter. <laughs> Justin but, Hunter, huh? yeah, yeah. I I just can't quit him.
1: Well, give him another year. It's only his third year. Maybe he can put things together and turn into that superstar that people were looking for him to be as deep sleep, as a not not super deep sleeper, but sleeper last year. Yeah, I think
0: often people give up on guys too early when they don't realize that it takes a few years
1: to really get adjusted to the NFL. Sure, especially for young wide receivers who have never played with a you know highly established and esteemed quarterback.
0: Right, but then again, Justin Hunter might just be awful and can't catch. So who knows?
1: That that might also be the case. Speaking of uh, signing on with highly esteemed quarterbacks, uh, we got a new wideout in Chicago, huh? Yeah,
0: Eddie Royal. That's uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Not not necessarily for fantasy, but. Uh, I think it it brings a, a decent element of speed to to Chicago's receiving game. Sure. Uh, then again, for in terms of fantasy, Royal can be a decent wide receiver. For I don't know that you ever want to rely on rely on him for much more than that. Uh, a, a lot of his production kind of comes on those freak, unpredictable touchdowns
1: right yeah i I think even if if one of the whiteouts goes down and Chicago gets hurt, I don't know that I'm jumping to you know throw a quick top flyer on uh, Eddie Royal, regardless um Fox's offense is going to have a lot less passing than uh the Chicago offense that we've seen recently has, and um I don't know Royal just still isn't a superstar he's put together some some very uh very solid seasons last year he had 800 yards seven touchdowns but I don't see that happening for him in Chicago
0: yeah he's more of a an underneath guy and to be honest he he does have decent speed but in terms of wide receivers he's just another guy to me
1: yep me too um like to see him in Chicago though if we're talking about real football um can, th- can open things up in the middle a little bit uh draw some attention away from marquez wilson from a real football standpoint i like him being on the field in chicago but fantasy yeah he's not worth an own to me
0: yeah plus i also i could still see us uh drafting a wide receiver relatively early
1: yeah that wouldn't surprise me either um Chicago has huge holes on defense, but anytime you can upgrade your offense, I mean, with Brandon Marshall leaving, we don't know what we have in Marquez Wilson just yet, really. He's shown some flashes, but you never know until you give him a shot, and this year he'll get that shot.
0: Yeah, it'll be an interesting battle between him and Royal, Um, but then again, Royal's more naturally fitted to the slot, whereas I imagine Wilson will stay on the outside with Alshon
1: yeah i think so he's so, he's shown he's probably just got the speed more so than the, the quickness turning you know
0: yeah especially because uh since last season he's been working out with jeffrey and formerly marshall as well to That's bulk perfect. up a little bit more so it'll be interesting to see what
1: what wilson can bring i hope he turns into something nice i'd l- I'd really like to see that happen in chicago
0: yeah definitely even uh even in fox's offense i think there's still a decent wide receiver too. Uh, production to be had there
1: of course regardless of who the coach is what sort of if you have a you know run first office this is still the nfl in 2015 and uh wide receivers are how you score points in today's nfl throwing the ball downfield
0: yeah that's why uh cleveland signed dwayne Bowe, right
1: that's right throw that ball downfield and let him let him go get it i guess uh dwayne Bowe. gosh cleveland i don't i don't even know what to say about cleveland like (laughs) Now they've got Hartline and Bow, two uh two top flight wide receivers. Um I I really don't know where to go with this guy. I mean he's had thousand yard seasons, um, but his his most recent thousand yard season was with Matt Castle in twenty eleven. His whole career with Alex Smith was um Not great, let's say. Last year, he put together about 60 catches, which is, I mean, if if he's your number one wide on your team, you want a little more production than 60 catches, 750 yards, and all of zero touchdowns. I scored as many touchdowns as Dwayne bow in the NFL last year.
0: To be completely honest with you, I'm not touching anybody uh, on Cleveland unless it's Isaiah Crowell or Terrence West. I want nothing to do with McCown, Hartline, Bo, any of those guys.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Cleveland. Cleveland.
0: Jordan Cameron got out of there as fast as he
1: could. Yeah, he was smart. Smart man, get out of there. All right, let's
0: uh, talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick then. He was sure. traded to the New York Jets. Yep. And he'll he'll fight uh, Geno Smith for the starting job there. Although he actually... I think that Geno still shows a little bit promise, but I think Fitzpatrick is actually a really good fit for them. He was uh he worked with Chan Gailey for a few years back when they were both on the Bills, and actually during those years together, Fitzpatrick had a few seasons of 3000 yards and about 24 touchdowns. What do you think about
1: them reuniting now in New York? I think their history together is the main reason that they went out and uh, grabbed Ryan Fitzpatrick to bring to the team. Um, in terms of how the team's going to play this, I think he's going to be the backup initially. Fitzpatrick is a serviceable quarterback in the NFL, obviously. We've seen that over the years. He's you know wasn't super-duper last year or anything like that. Um, but Gino's going to get the start at the start of the season um, because he's younger, he's more dynamic, he may get a chance to, he may be able to you know move that offense forward with those with those greater weapons on the outside that he has now um that said if gino falls apart then Ryan Fitzpatrick with those weapons might be able to come right in and be an okay plug and play sort of starter on your bye week he he could fill in and you know very well put up in you know, 12 14 point games depending on the matchup
0: you know i'm not so sure that gino is going to get that starting job that easily i think this is going to be a legitimate battle uh in training camp and preseason. I think that it's a fifty-fifty toss-up right now, who starts week one in New York.
1: Well, for New York's future's sake, they better hope that Gino grabs that uh grabs that job by the balls and runs forward with it. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick, how old he's older now. I mean, he's not gonna take that team anywhere.
0: Yeah, honestly for one quarterback leagues, I don't care about either one of them. Although I do like the Fitzpatrick signing just as insurance for Marshall and Decker to to guarantee them some decent production, even if Smith starts
1: to throw a lot of picks. Sure. If Smith's garbage, Fitz will get the job. Like I said, he's he's a decent starter on a bye week.
0: All right. Uh, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Sure. They've signed both DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews. It's kind of old news now, but and we've already discussed this at length, but I just want to touch real quick in terms of landing spots for DeMarco Murray this could not have been any better for him he's going to possibly the one team with a better offensive line than Dallas
1: still i, I don't know what sort of what what Chip Kelly's thinking with the usage on these guys he's got a very crowded backfield right now i mean he signed Murray and Matthews Hulk was the goal line guy last year, so he may be on the outs at this point. And don't forget, Darren Sproles had a hell of a season last year. So I just don't know what the usage on these guys is going to be. Or maybe Kelly just going to run enough plays to get all these guys enough touches. I, I don't know. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think the tempo is, is quick enough in Philadelphia that Murray is still a decent running back one. Mm-hmm. The only issue is I'm not touching him anywhere near where
1: I would be if he had no, been signed no, with no. Dallas. Yeah, no, no way. No way you can. Uh, and really, like, talking about that tempo, if you're running a no huddle and running a billion plays, you're not getting a chance to get Murray out on the field quickly if Matthews or Polk or Sprouls are on the, are on the field and you want to run quick plays next. You're not getting Murray back onto the field. So there may be complete series where you don't see DeMarco Murray.
0: Sure. I think game flow is going to dictate a lot of that. If they're already close to the goal line and Matthews is in, they're not going to sub him out for Murray no. or anything. All right. Uh, oh. <laughs> anything else on uh, Philadelphia that you want to discuss?
1: Um, well, does, I guess. Does I'll, Chris
0: Polk matter at all at this point?
1: I don't think he matters at all at this point. I think. I mean, no. seeing what Chip Kelly's doing, just playing franchise Madden, like I said, he might take Matthews and Polk and just ship them somewhere. And, or, I mean, who knows? This could all be just a ploy to to figure out a way to get Mariota onto the team. I don't know. I don't know where he's going from here. I'm excited to find out. And also to revisit something I said in a prior episode, um, where, where the Eagles will not be making the playoffs. I think my exact quote was, unless something crazy like signing DeMarco Murray happens. Well, something crazy happened and I think uh I think the Eagles are now a playoff contender.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting, especially with Bradford there as he and Murray were roommates in college that. That kind of chemistry is going to be a very very interesting to watch.
1: It'll be interesting to see if they keep Stafford. There's so many rumors out there that Bradford. he's What did I call him? Stafford. Stafford. Yeah. No, no, not Stafford. Uh, Bradford. There are so many rumors out that I've read that they were that they're going to trade him. So I don't I don't know. We'll see when the season starts, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to try to delve into
1: the inner workings (sighs) of Chip Kelly. No, you'll give yourself a stroke.
0: All right. So let's talk about let's talk about Baltimore. Yep. So they just re-signed Justin Forsett.
1: Sure. Sure. I think this is great news for Forsett. Uh, I'm sure you agree, probably.
0: Yeah, I think that he's the favorite to go into the season as their lead back again. Yep. And I personally am not as worried about his age as others seem to be.
1: Okay, and why is that?
0: Justin Forsett is, I think he's 29 right now. Mm -hmm. But despite the fact that he's going on 30, I'm not... I'm not worried because his workload hasn't been anything close to a normal 30-year-old running back. Mm-hmm. He's played six seasons in the NFL, and he's touched the ball fewer than 700 times total.
1: In, in all six seasons? Yes. Wow.
0: And looking looking at his stats real quick, he's played five out of six seasons. He's played all 16 games. Granted, that's not as the starter or the lead back. But at the same time, he's not—he's not, he's not somebody—he's not an Arian Foster guy that I'm going to be worried about week in week out. I think that Tressman is going to manage his touches a little bit more. We might see a little bit more of Taliaferro, or they might even draft another running back to go along with them.
1: It won't be Bernard Pierce.
0: <laughs> no, no, it will not. <laughs> but i, I can't really—I uh, can't really say that Pierce was a huge loss. He really did nothing. He had the chance to win that job last year, and he didn't.
1: Yeah, I owned him as a handcuff two years straight, and he showed me absolutely nothing. Last year was supposed to be the year that I thought he'd, you know, grab the job and do something great with it. But obviously, he's you know, he's he's no Lorenzo Tal- Taliaferro, and that's not really saying that much.
0: Yeah, I think I think Pierce is sort of a cautionary tale um, where he had a great rookie season.
1: And Don't drink it, and drive
0: no i mean in terms of well that that too (laughs) but in terms of in terms of fantasy
1: football addicts podcast we do not endorse drinking or and driving
0: that's correct also buckle up (laughs) that's right um but i was saying in terms of a cautionary tale as people getting really hyped up about backup running backs we've seen it happen with bernard pierce Uh, we've seen it happen with ben tate sure and um
1: christine michael or Chris, yeah, Kristen, Michael. Sorry. Well,
0: I was gonna say more, more so in terms of when these guys finally get their shot. We saw right. how Tate fell on his face in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, people were really excited about Gerhardt going to Jacksonville, and that just was a disaster.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that people get too caught up in the stats where backups have great yards per carry and great stats when it's easy to come into a game when. You haven't, you haven't been running at all during the past three quarters, and now your team is up by 20 points. It's, it's easy to to kind of wail on a tired defensive line.
1: Absolutely, especially when the, the defense is not keying on you. You're the backup. There's a reason you're not the starter.
0: Sure. All right. Um, of course, uh, PPR-wise, Justin Forsett could be a solid, solid running back one again. I think he ranks, what, about the 10th overall? Was that right? It was, yeah, it, was
1: it was more or less tons, Yeah. and that was just a great, great season. He would have done even better had he been given the job, you know, right off the bat.
0: Yeah, that said, I don't, I don't think that he's a he's a top three, top five guy by any means. I think he's one of those CJ Anderson types where you're a little bit more cautious, but you you do expect them to to still produce.
1: I agree. Um, with this re-signing, and unless the Ravens do anything crazy like uh, Philadelphia is doing and grabbing a billion running backs, I think in standard, he's a back-end RB1, and in, um, in PPR, he's a very solid RB1. Yeah,
0: I agree, but uh, just one thing for all you guys to keep in mind also is that after the draft, this is a very very good class of running backs this year so it really depends on you know who these teams take that's going to tell us a lot about what they think of their current starters sure if they if baltimore grabs a guy like jay or tj yeldon i think that Forsett could potentially lose his job
1: even so they committed the money to him so they're going to give him every chance to run with it uh without wearing out their rookie if they do draft a rookie back
0: absolutely but just as a a cautious optimism don't uh, don't get too carried away by what
1: by what they did last season, of course, of course, although I'd be more optimistic about this season with trussman. he threw the ball at Matt Forte a hundred and thirty times last year, one three zero ludicrous
0: sure but but few running backs get the percentage of snaps that Matt Forte does in Chicago
1: true, but for said with uh, I mean even though he hasn't toted the ball a billion times in his career, he's always shown sure hands that's true all
0: right let's uh let's move on to uh one guy i want to talk about is charles clay sure now miami uh transition tagged him but buffalo offered him a deal and structured it in a way that made it really hard for miami to match and Mm -hmm. he's since signed with buffalo what are your thoughts on on charles clay
1: yeah he he signed with buffalo um miami has five days to match it miami's made it clear that they're not going to man they're moving forward with jordan as they're starting a tight end. Um, as much as I was saying about Charles Clay last episode, I don't think his value holds up anymore in Buffalo. Um, Ryan Tannehill is a great, great uh, guy throwing him the ball. I, I just don't like what they have at quarterback out in, in Buffalo. Um, they're going to be running the ball a lot more, uh, giving it to McCoy, forcing the ball over there, forcing the ball to uh, Kenny Wackett, Sammy Watkins, Kenny Watkins. Sammy Watkins I think he's going to be a better Scott Chandler but not much better stats than Scott Chandler for Buffalo this year
0: yeah fantasy wise I think that even though Clay has the potential to be the number two receiving option behind Watkins he's really not going to see that many targets Rex Ryan brought him in partly because Clay was a a top run blocking tight end as well as pass catching last Mm -hmm. year Um, I think Buffalo is just going to run it with McCoy and they're going to try to limit the turnovers by E.J. Manuel or Matt Castle or whoever's going to be starting there.
1: Yeah, and it's a shame because I'm I'm a Charles Clay supporter. I'm a fan and I would have liked to see him end up in a much better spot for him than uh, Buffalo.
0: Sure, but Buffalo is doing the right thing by by building up a lot of talent on defense and putting putting weapons around their quarterback and putting them in in the position where they're not under pressure to do too much.
1: Sure, football perspective, it's a great signing. I'm sure he'll enjoy his spot there catching balls and blocking the run and possibly, you know, winning more games with a better defense and like that. But from a fantasy perspective, Charles Clay's stock has dropped.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and in his place, I think Jordan Cameron has risen again because oh, absolutely. he's off the Browns. He is in Miami with Tannehill. They're gonna throw the ball a lot, especially because Tannehill's still working on that deep ball and Cameron gives him great versatility over the
1: middle. If he can keep himself from getting uh, clobbered in the skull a few more times, uh, keep himself concussion-free this year, he might very well push for uh, a top-five tight end overall spot.
0: Yeah, I think all the moves that Miami's made so far uh, to to kind of bolster that (laughs) offense in the offseason is really better for Tannehill than the individual receivers. Sure. Now that they have, you know, they got Kenny Stills in Mm -hmm. a trade with New Orleans by... You know, dumping Danelle Ellerby, who's frankly getting paid more than he was worth—way
1: more than he was worth—he put together that nice season uh, with the Ravens, and he um, he made bank on it. Now, hopefully, the Bears aren't going to see the same sort of thing with Pernell McPhee, paying him some money and seeing him drop off completely.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can only hope.
1: Yeah. But um,
0: as I was saying, I think that all these weapons in Miami really helps out Ryan Tannehill's value more than the individual receivers. I think sure. that week to week it's going to be hard to to know who's going to be catching those touchdowns between Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, Jordan Cameron. I think that they're all going to be eating into each other's targets a lot more than you think.
1: I think they're going to eat into each other's targets, but I still think that they're going to elevate each other's value. Um tar- I mean, less targets can get you down qu- can still get you downfield quicker and get you into the end zone.
0: I think that they'll be okay in PPR, but again, I really think that Jarvis Landry isn't going to get a ton of looks around the goal line and he's never going to get those big downfield targets it's really going to be dink and dunk and Tannehill is going to hit the open man he's he's not going to play favorites the only reason that Landry frankly was targeted so much last year was because one clay missed a few games here and there and two Wallace was kind of relegated to that deep route role and Tannehill just doesn't have the accuracy downfield
1: well, couldn't you see Stills kind of getting rele- relegated to that role?
0: I think that they're going to try to stretch the field horizontally, um, on both gonna,
1: sides with both with both Landry and Stills.
0: Yes, I think that if anything, we're going to see a lot of these guys catch probably close to sixty-ish, seventy. 70 receptions i would say sure. um, miller as well out of the backfield but i don't think that their yardage or touchdown totals are going to be all that high
1: and i i agree and while they 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 can put together solid years the thing about uh the fancy landscape right now with wide receiver is that there are so many solid uh wide receivers that you may be able to overlook these guys now on the other hand jarvis landry you know second year guy he may make huge strides in the offseason and Maybe may become a star in the league.
0: That's true. I guess for me personally, when I watch when I watch tape of Landry, he doesn't strike me as a particularly explosive player. He's more of a he can do it all, and and he's got that nimbleness. But he's not uh, he's like a poor man's Odell Beckham in, in some ways, uh, being able to get all over the field and make those cuts. But I don't I don't know that Landry is gonna break out this year.
1: Well, we'll see what Tanhill can do, and I think Cameron, in terms of uh, draft value, is going to be very undervalued come draft day.
0: Yeah, he's going to be in that murky low end, low end tight end one territory. I think
1: where I think he's probably going to be a very solid tight end one to start every week, and you know could creep into that top five or four this year. He could, but
0: you can say that about so many tight ends this year. There are a lot of guys who are just waiting for that chance, but it really comes down to kind of playing roulette week to week and hoping, hoping your guy scores a touchdown.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I think I'm more more uh, more sold on Cameron than you. I think this is a huge step up from Cleveland, um, and his talent speaks for itself. If he can stay on the field, I mean, he could put on he could put on ten touchdowns with this offense. I think
0: Cameron's interesting, but I think a lot of his value from that from that one breakout season a couple years ago was really tied to north turner as his as his coordinator and getting those targets i don't uh i just don't see him as a as a i guess as a high upside
1: guy okay well i guess we'll agree to disagree i've said enough about it
0: all right so uh speaking of kenny stills let's let's talk about new orleans real quick yep um new orleans uh they got max hunger in that deal for jimmy graham Mm-hmm. And they also got um uh, or they also sent uh Ben Grubbs to Kansas City for a fifth round pick real quick. I think this helps Charles a little bit. Um his O line wasn't the greatest last year, and Grubbs is a is a good veteran who's gonna help him out there.
1: They are moving on with their pieces in New Orleans. Um it doesn't bode well for Drew Bees for the next few years if you if you're a dynasty owner. Um the time to sell might be coming soon. Yeah, I think
0: uh, Breeze will be just fine as a serviceable quarterback. One, but his elite years are,
1: are just about past. Yeah, they're. Ta- I mean, they're taking Stills away from. They still have Cooks. Breeze is the kind of quarterback who's always elevated the wide receivers around him. But losing uh, Stills, losing Graham, losing two linemen. I mean, the the writing's sort of on the wall. I still think he'll probably end up—he will still be a top-ten quarterback. Don't get me wrong there. He still will be an every-week starter for you. But he's not going to be putting up that production that we've all grown accustomed to.
0: Yeah, um, one guy in New Orleans that is really interesting to me is C.J. Spiller. I know that you've always been pretty high on Spiller, too.
1: Very talented sort of back. Uh, Glad to see him come out of Buffalo finally.
0: Yeah, I think with uh, Pierre Thomas gone and Travaris Cadet with the Patriots now, Spiller gets, he's going to get a lot of targets out of the backfield from Breeze. That's, that's my belief. Uh, what are your thoughts on
1: that? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, we, we spoke, we seem to talk about Mark Ingram a ton on this podcast, uh, but we spoke on the New Orleans backfield prior, um, how Mark Ingram has shown that he can catch the ball a ton. But we haven't really talked about Travaris Cadet, who's gone now, and also uh, Pierre Thomas, who's gone. Uh, those two guys combined for over 100 targets out of the backfield, receiving targets out of the backfield, not not touches, not carries. That's receiving targets alone. And they're gone. I mean, C.J. Spiller, if he gets some targets, he's a great back. I mean, he's a great complementary speed back to Mark Ingram's power bruising style, for one. But you get him out there. I mean, Sean Payton and Drew Brees have shown that they love to take those speed backs, throw the ball to him like Darren Sproles. Tavares Cadet, Pierre Thomas, you know, recently, not as fast, a little older now, but they love throwing the ball to backs and making them produce.
0: Yeah, I think that assuming that Spiller plays in 14 or more games, I think his floor is going to be right around 50 catches this year, and I think that his ceiling is right around 80. I think that he could be a very, very sneaky PPR guy.
1: Yeah, I think that's very reasonable. Um, as, as sneaky with the PPR and also in a standard, he just because all the muddled middle of RB2s is working out he may be he may still be a high-end RB3 like we were talking about prior he won't be the starting back quote unquote that gets you know uh that opens the game running the football but i think he's going to get enough targets and touches to to merit value even in standard leagues
0: yeah i could see spiller as a guy who gets maybe <clears throat> excuse me who gets maybe i don't know like thousand or eleven hundred combined yards rushing and receiving and i want to say maybe seven possibly eight touchdowns total
1: i could see that easily because i'm assuming they're they're probably going to use months they might use them on special teams as well and spiller even though his production um from the line of scrimmage sometimes takes a dip he's always able to Find ways to score touchdowns innovatively, whether it be from special teams, whether it be from converting some sort of broken or dump off play into touchdowns. He's just a very, very talented back.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, Sean Payton's going to use him correctly. Get him out in space. He's not going to make him run up the middle like they they tried to make him do in Buffalo.
1: No, no, no. Innovative coach with with a field general at quarterback. They'll make him work out.
0: Uh, Speaking of Cadet, what are your thoughts on him in New England?
1: I think that's a, a great signing by New England. Um, they needed to fill the role that uh, Shane Vereen left when he uh, moved to another team uh, because blunt, Gray, they're not making that happen. They're not getting outside and catching balls like Vereen. And they leaned on Vereen in the Super Bowl, um, 14 catches. Without Shane Vereen on the field, the outcome of the Super Bowl may have been completely different. So they've shown that Tom Brady likes to have that sort of back like that. Um just cadet has to prove himself to keep himself on the field with bill belichick he belichick has shown that he's all sort of about merit and if you screw him once you're, you might not get another chance just ask Stephen ridley about that
0: yeah cadet's interesting but personally i don't think i'm going to be touching him fantasy new england already has legarit Blunt, jonas gray james white bolden and a couple other guys and who knows week to week what's going to happen with them I think that he's a stash in a deeper league, but I'm not going to be. He's gonna. He's like a running back four, running back five for me.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, even if he is productive, even if he is good, I am done playing the game with New England running backs. I, I, I bought. Uh, I. Drafted Shane Varine in the third round in one of our leagues last year like a complete goof. No, it was fourth round. It was fourth round. It wasn't that goofy. But still, <laughs> I'm done playing that game with Patriots running backs, especially guys that are first year on the team. They might not even fit in with the team or see playing time at all. You never know what Belichick's going to do. I mean, they, they took a guy who, who set a Patriots rushing record for both yards on the ground and touchdowns scored in the game, Jonas Gray, of course, and benched him for the rest of the season cuz he was late for a team meeting.
0: Yeah, I think the the general rule of thumb is don't draft a New England Patriots running back.
1: No, I I'm not doing it.
0: All right, let's uh, let's move on to another guy who's had highs and lows. Darren McFadden has yeah. signed with Dallas, but they gave him almost nothing. I think they gave him 200 grand as a as a bonus, something like that. Um he's interesting, but Honestly, I don't even know if he's going to be on the team at at the start of the season. What what do you think?
1: He's always been a decent pass catcher, and he does have talent. He just can't stay healthy and stay productive. He's shown that in Oakland. Um, Now, what this says to me is either they're definitely going to be drafting a running back in the... uh, I think
0: think that goes without question.
1: but, But also, it could also mean that they really like Joe Randall or Lance Dunbar. I mean... I don't know. Um, everybody was saying, oh, you have to own uh, Joe Randall as the as the handcuff to DeMarco Murray. Um, when he got his chance, he didn't really show that he was that dynamic of a back. And then he had some off the field issues. But maybe Jerry Jones is looking past that and thinks that he can be the guy.
0: Yeah, my thoughts are that uh, the Dallas backfield is going to be a muddled situation, kind of like with St. Louis, how... Uh, a couple years ago, the the year that Zach Stacy really really burst onto the scene, um, who I'm blanking on the name right now, who started for them that season?
1: Daryl um, Richardson.
0: Yeah, so you know, people drafted Daryl Richardson. People right. grabbed Cunningham. People grabbed Stacy. I think this is something that's gonna work itself out week five, week six um until then i I don't know that i really want to take a chance on mcfadden or randall or any of that any of those guys uh until the, the much later rounds
1: well they better figure out their running back situation faster than a third of the way through the season if they want to make it to the playoffs again
0: yeah i honestly think we could see the cowboys in the playoffs again with a rookie quarterback
1: with a rookie quarterback
0: or i'm sorry a rookie running back
1: yeah, depending on what sort of production you get back there, I mean, does Bryant maybe enough to take over a game? If only he could if hung onto that ball last postseason, that would have been really nice. But, but alas, I, I'll uh, whatever.
0: <laughs> All right, um, let's talk about another guy who's who's had his share of troubles. Percy Harvin signed with the Buffalo Bills. I think that this is again good for them football wise. I don't care in terms of Harvin's fantasy value.
1: Yeah, just being in Buffalo just doesn't excite me in any way for him. Um, Now they've got McCoy back there. They're going to be feeding McCoy the ball. The thing about Harvin, and I agree that for for a football move, this may be good. He may be a good decoy. He may become the new Sproles to to McCoy's McCoy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) When Harvin was at Miami, he was used at Miami University, of course. Um, he was used a ton out of the backfield, and he was very productive from back there. Um, you know, he, he, was a, he was a guy you could move around the field to the point where he was drafted in the first round in the NFL draft and was productive in Minnesota initially, but his personal troubles as well as um, football reasons, I guess, have just led to him not being productive on the football field with the, with his last two teams. Hopefully he can turn his career around for himself, but I'm not touching him in fantasy.
0: Yeah, I think Harvin will get probably 20, 25 carries total for the season out of the backfield. They're going to they're going to use him in interesting ways. But the signing of Charles Clay, Percy Harvin, I think all this just really helps McCoy's value. They're they're trying to get defenses to spread out a little bit more and give him some room to work. And that wouldn't
1: be a bad thing. I mean, it does help. I do agree that it does help McCoy having a, a dynamic guy like Harvin on the field um is it enough for me to change how i value mccoy no but i already value sean mccoy very highly as it is
0: yeah i agree um all right let's move on speaking speaking of a sproles type running back reggie Mm -hmm. bush was cut by uh the detroit lions and he's since signed with the 49ers um for me personally i think this is a very interesting move and great for san francisco um kind of bolsters the offense while their entire defense is falling apart on them. But in (laughs) terms of fantasy value, I think that this doesn't really hurt Carlos Hyde that much. He was always going to, you know, split some carries with somebody and I'd rather have it be Reggie Bush. Who's more relegated into a specific role and is also older rather than them drafting another running back super early in the draft.
1: Yeah. Again, another move, um, uh, in this past week, that's happened. That's good from a football per st- uh, football standpoint, but isn't really going to affect much from a fantasy standpoint. Um, getting his skill set onto the field does complement Hyde well, but I don't know if he's going to be used you know, to his strengths that well. He caught a bunch of balls from Matt Stafford. But Kaepernick doesn't throw the ball to running backs. He threw the ball to the running back like 50 times total last year. That, that's really not enough. To, to make uh, to really maximize Reggie Bush's production. Um, and also I agree that he's not really gonna cut into Hyde's production because they were gonna have to find somebody to complement Hyde that you you can't jump a running back uh, usage that much all in one year. Um, and the other thing that's good for Hyde is I, I agree, Reggie Bush, he couldn't wrestle the job away from uh, Joyc Bell. so he's not going to wrestle the job away from Carlos Hyde, who they just drafted to be their future.
0: Yeah, I don't know how many receptions Reggie Bush is going to have to be honest because I think that part of the reason that Frank, neither Frank Gore nor Carlos Hyde really caught that many receptions out of the backfield last year was a big part of it was uh Greg Roman and his scheme. I don't know what I don't even know how you say his name. I think it's Jeep Christ. I, I don't know uh okay. But, but the new the new offensive <laughs> coordinator in San Francisco he he, very well might switch things up, and I just i I'm not sure what to think. I know they're still going to run it a lot, but uh, as as for Reggie Bush's value, I think mid range RB three with upside is that about where you would put him? Is that accurate?
1: No, I'm not. I'm, I mean, mid range RB three means you might start him in your flex depending on a week. Yeah, I wouldn't I see that. I wouldn't look to start him ever.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's just me. I mean, you're, are you talking expressly in PPR in terms of the the, the touches he might have, or are you talking standard? Yeah, also? yeah,
0: no, in PPR. Sorry.
1: I could, I could, I could see that argument made, but I'm not touching him.
0: Okay, that's fair. I think there's just so much uncertainty right now in San Francisco, and things are just collapsing.
1: Yeah, Kaepernick has has really taken a step backwards since he debuted and burst on the scene as this amazing, you know, next. Next guy in the line of, you know, flashy running, throwing super quarterbacks. He's he has shown that he's just not that.
0: Yeah, we we just really haven't seen him really take that next step in the passing game. There are reports that he's gonna be working with a lot of specialists in the off season, trying to get his throws better, get get his reads better, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see what happens with him.
1: Yeah, I think losing Gore is gonna hurt him a lot more than getting Bush is gonna help him.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Uh, okay. Another another veteran uh, who has moved to an interesting spot fantasy wise is Cecil Shorts.
1: Does he have enough games played on the field to be considered a veteran? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe maybe not. But uh, in in Houston, I think Shorts is very interesting. Yeah. Andre Johnson is gone. I think that he is a clear starter, assuming health. Um, they don't really have anybody else behind DeAndre Hopkins right now. I honestly think that he's he's a wide receiver three with upside because despite the fact that he's never played a full season, I'm not worried about whoever his quarterback's gonna be because he had almost in the in the one in the healthiest season that he's played in twenty twelve, he had almost a thousand yards and seven touchdowns, playing with Blaine Gabbard and Chad Henney. Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not worried about his quarterback situation, anything except his health. That is the only issue for me regarding shorts.
1: And this guy I, I agree there. He has he has a bunch of recurrent soft tissue injuries, things that can things that aren't going to end your season, but things that are gonna hobble you and you know um uh, that are going to limit your production. Last year, he only played 13 games, but in those, he had 70 catches and 700 yards. Um, so he's shown that he can be very productive when he stays on the field. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be very undervalued in drafts because Cecil Shorts, people associated with Jacksonville, you know, uh, injuries. If he can stay healthy and on the field, he's a starter. He's a starter on your fantasy team. At the very least, he's your flex.
0: Yeah, I think you draft him late uh, one of your last few rounds, maybe around 12, 13, and then basically if he, you know, his hamstring issue acts up week one, dump him.
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely.
0: Low risk, uh, decent reward, let's say.
1: Yeah, because you're not going to have to draft him super high, so that's a good thing.
0: All right, let's talk about uh, Stevie Johnson next. He signed with the San Diego Chargers. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't I don't know that this really drops the value of Keenan Allen or Malcolm Floyd. I think they're still right around where they were last year. Um, the only guy that this really hurts is Dontrell Inman. Uh, you know, they signed him from the CFL a year or two back, and he kinda he kind of broke out a little bit towards the end of last season, but I think now this this relegates him back to you know irrelevance in, in terms of fantasy.
1: Yeah, I wasn't drafting any of those guys, and I'm not drafting Stevie Johnson. Um, the only guy that's interesting to me is still Keenan Allen. Um, he's shown that he can, that he has talent. Uh, his production, his fantasy numbers were down a lot last year after after uh, the year before, but that was because he wasn't getting the touchdowns, and that's a thing with wideouts. If you, if you're not getting touchdowns, but you're getting production, then that will lead to them being undervalued and underdrafted the next year. I think Keenan Allen is a good buy low. But Stevie Johnson, he's another average, he's another average wideout. If Eddie Royal stayed in San Diego, I feel the same as I feel about Stevie Johnson being in San Diego. They might have big games, they might not. It's not going to matter because nobody's going to own him.
0: You know, I actually disagree with you on Stevie Johnson. I think he's going to be an interesting wide receiver three type because that's basically where Eddie Royal was last year. He had, I think, just about under 800 yards and seven touchdowns, and Royal's a, a smaller guy. He's he's five foot ten, and Stevie Johnson is a much, much better red zone threat than Royal was. And look at what look at what Johnson was able to do back in Buffalo with Fitzpatrick. I think he had three straight a thousand yard receiving seasons, uh, with about so and averaged about seven or eight touchdowns for those years. I think that what really held him back was Colin Kaepernick. Um Johnson's an interesting guy to me with Philip Rivers throwing the ball. I think that I would take a ch- I would take a chance on him in probably around seven or so if I had to guess right now.
1: Yeah, if you want to take a late flyer, if if you believe, I mean, if you believe that he might with with his uh, size and abilities, might be able to make something happen with Rivers. Great, go for it. But I've just seen with the Chargers, they just have certain receivers that score a bunch of touchdowns early in the season. You get real excited about them. You trade for them. You grab them. You use your high flyers on them, and then they do absolutely nothing for the other ten games in the season. Yeah, that's true. So,
0: uh, real, real quick, just a five-second yes or no question. Sure. Is Antonio Gates a top ten tight end this year? Yes. Okay. To me. All right. I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah
1: yeah right.
0: let's uh let's go across the bay to Oakland, who uh, likes <sighs> signing guys like Trent
1: Richardson. We're trying our hardest not to talk about this guy, but he just keeps coming back for more. I don't know why.
0: You know, I really like this move uh, for Latavius Murray's value. Um, really? I think this shows that they're pretty pretty confident in him. I think a lot of people are taking the news of Trent Richardson signing the wrong way. They're not paying him that much money. I think that Murray is going to be the starter. There's there's no question in my mind. Yeah, Murray, Murray
1: will be the starter. That's a, not a question.
0: I think that Richardson was completely a depth signing and I think this actually makes me happy because it means that the Raiders will likely not draft a rookie back a rookie running
1: back very early though. Why would you pay 2 million to a guy that's not even going to see the field?
0: Because it's Oakland and they have the money. Then why not
1: Spend it on somebody good.
0: Like Steven Ridley? Exactly. You know, I can't speak to the Oakland uh, Raiders organization's uh, goals for this move, but...
1: I mean, my issue with this move and my concern for Latavius Murray is that when you're signing a third down running back on most... or uh, Sorry, a number three running back on most teams in the NFL, he's coming to play special teams, usually. Do you see any team taking Trent Richardson, looking at what he's done over the years... Running out of the backfield, not really ever playing special teams. Hey, maybe
0: and, maybe they'll have Richardson bulk up a little bit, play fullback and block for Murray.
1: <laughs> yeah, hey, that that would be that would be a great scenario. Get him in there as a blocking back, but that that would be the only positive I could see for Murray's value. Otherwise, my fear is that they're gonna they're gonna use him, get him in there, and take carries away from Murray. They already got Hallu to come, who I think is a great compliment to Latavius Murray. I thought that. Elevated its value, but I'm very worried about Trent Richardson coming in and stealing carries and stealing goal line carries specifically away from Latavius Murray. I don't want to see a three-headed monster in Oakland. I wanted to be targeting Latavius Murray when nobody else was in the draft.
0: All right. Well, Trent Richardson running back five, running back six. I'm not going to worry about it. He's uh, I'll take Andre Williams in New York over Trent.
1: I'll take everybody over Trent Williamson. Trent Richardson. I just don't. I just wanted to let him go. Just, just let him fade out of my life,
0: like Frozen. Let it yeah.
1: go. Oh gosh. D- yes, like Frozen.
0: All right. Uh, let's move let on. Go. Um, let all go. right. It's, okay. No, sorry. Nobody. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. Okay. I'm pretty I, sure.
1: I think Dan might. Dan. No. Uh, okay. All
0: right. You can you can work on your uh, your karaoke skills on your own time. Okay, right. fine. Let's talk about let's talk about Jacob Tamme.
1: Yep. Um,
0: he just signed with Atlanta. I think today, right? We're, yeah, we're recording this on Thursday. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this? I think it's a very interesting move.
1: I think this is great for Jacob Tamme. Um, the problem is, I was excited for him before with Peyton's first season in Denver, and he didn't do anything with that. And if he couldn't do, if the man, if uh, the Manning effect didn't work for Jacob Tamme, why should Matt Ryan?
0: Yeah, I um, I think it's interesting because it means that Atlanta's finally doing something about tight end because the answer is clearly not Levine Toilolo. Yeah. But I still think they're going to need to find other help. I don't think that Tammy's going to be fantasy relevant.
1: I don't understand why uh, the Falcons have waited so long to make a move on a tight end. They clearly have huge need at tight end when they caught Doug, when they cut Douglas, I thought they were going to use that money to go grab a tight end, go grab a top tight end. Um, somebody that was available, like make a run at clay or Jordan Cameron, who, who just signed down in Miami because Matt Ryan w- was hugely successful with Antonio Gates. You get another guy in there running off the line, running like Antonio- mean Gonzalez. Yeah. Gonzalez, gosh, Anthony Gonzalez, not Antonio Gates, yes. Anthony Gonzalez, I don't know why they don't they didn't see that as a priority recently to get somebody in there. Now, somebody that's still sitting around in free agency that has high upside, if they can sign him, young tight end, great measurables, very athletic, still not on a team, which I don't know why. Rob Hausler.
0: Yeah, I I think his upside has always been intriguing, but I think that them meeting with him and then him leaving without signing a deal is pretty telling that they're not very interested because he doesn't command big money. Atlanta could have signed them if they wanted to.
1: Yeah, I I agree. So I guess we'll see where he ends up and what happens with uh, with him because I I thought he'd be a great fit.
0: Yeah, he's he's a guy to monitor along with Stephen Ridley and Michael Crabtree, a a couple interesting guys who are still kind of dangling out there.
1: Yeah, there's a couple guys that, that will have, that have, you know, very low value right now. Um I think Housler's one of them, and the other guys he mentioned. I, I don't really see Crabtree doing anything great. But like Kelsey going into people's drafts last year was a last rounder, wasn't somebody that really, uh, people thought about or knew about, especially in leagues where, the, uh, it's the more casual player, people that, you know, aren't thinking fantasy football all day, every day. Um, in those leagues uh, then, then the, the Sharks were able to snipe them in like the last round. Housler might be a, a guy like that depending on where he signs.
0: Maybe. I'm a little nervous because I think we all think that we're smarter than we actually are especially those of us who are tuned into all the little things going on in free agency and I think that sometimes uh, that leads us to believe that a guy has higher upside than they actually do because the NFL teams they have great scouts they have guys who are paid big money to evaluate talent and if if everyone's passed on a player that leads me to believe that it's not something that they've overlooked it's something that we've mistakenly thought was better than they
1: actually are no no i i i disagree i think i'm just smarter than the owners
0: (laughs) all right uh we're running a little short on time but let's just run through a few other minor moves real quick that have a little bit of fancy relevance sure i'm just going to run through the list basically uh the jaguars claimed bernard pierce after his release and dui uh, yeah. i do not care um, i don't care yeah all right uh d'angelo williams he signed with pittsburgh i think that the only relevance here is that he'll be an interesting handcuff to Le'Veon bell <laughs>
1: Yeah, I do think that's that is actually relevant. D'Angelo Williams is a little older, but he's been splitting a lot of the work in these recent years, at, at least for the past four years with Jonathan, Jonathan Stewart. So if Le'Veon Bell does go down, um D'Angelo Williams might be able to uh produce a lot in that offense, actually.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried about him stealing too many
1: carries, though. No, um, no, no, not whatsoever. Pure handcuff.
0: All right, uh, another thing, uh, Dallas recently signed Greg Hardy. This bolsters their uh, defensive line a lot, assuming that he actually gets reinstated to play. Um, But more importantly, I think that this really just shows that Dallas is not going to sign Adrian Peterson. um, After giving Hardy the money that he commanded, they really don't have a whole lot of room to work with their cap situation. Plus, uh, Minnesota has come out and said that they don't plan on releasing him. So a team would have to trade him and take on all that money.
1: Yeah. Um, Greg Hardy, I I'm surprised to see him getting signed for so much money, giving the huge character concerns. I, I think his story is one that, uh, really fell by the wayside in the media. And I don't know why I, th- I thought some of the descriptions and, in, in the police report was, was really, uh, was really bad considering his situation but obviously jerry jones is is more than okay with it and his talent speaks for itself obviously he's a great defensive player and i agree um dallas is not going to be grabbing a huge uh, running back here
0: Uh, maybe maybe jerry jones will hire uh, greg hardy a babysitter to go along with uh does bryant
1: there we go (laughs) that'll be perfect
0: all right (sighs) um real quick uh, a couple of uh under the radar signings, I think Vince Wilfork in Houston is very, very scary for the rest of that division. Um pair him with JJ Watt, uh if Jadavian Clowney can come back healthy, that's a that's a monstrous defensive line right there.
1: Yeah, that hasn't got the media coverage that it deserves. Vince Wilfork may be the best defense may have been the best defensive tackle for the past five five, seven years. Um getting him on a line even though he's older getting him on a line with jj watt who who just owns a game all on his own without any help needed
0: (laughs) okay let's talk about uh pittsburgh real quick one last thing they extended ben roethlisberger i think it's a real smart move by them um despite his little uh issue with the law a couple years back Uh, He's been he's been a great quarterback for them. And I think that this bodes well for both his value as well as Antonio Brown's.
1: Yeah, he's he's been a figurehead for the Steelers for years. Um, That incident has come and gone. I mean, nobody on the Steelers cares about it anymore. He's a guy who's always undervalued in drafts. And while he doesn't put up consistently great numbers, he had two games last year where where those two games combined he combined for over 100 yards or uh, 100 fantasy points i mean
0: yeah he got people into the playoffs single-handedly he he got me into the playoffs yeah i think roethlisberger is one of those unsexy names he's perennially I, I would say a top top 12-ish uh quarterback he's a low on qb1 in, in most leagues and he continues to be undervalued, and that's fine. He's he's one of those guys to target when you wait for a quarterback if you miss out on a guy like Luck or Rogers early on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of quarterbacks with tons of uh, upside and breakout potential for this year.
0: All right, well, let's uh, let's wrap it up with that. Um, we are going to get to some of your questions next episode that you've tweeted at us. And, uh, and then we're going to have an early three-round mock draft uh, talking about you know, how we're going to value players for those early rounds. And uh, yeah, as always, you can tweet questions at us. Um, My Twitter handle is at FFA underscore Meng. That's M-E-N-G.
1: And I'm at FFA underscore LOS, L-O-S, and our great producer, Dan Green, at FFA underscore Dan. Um, Send us questions, tell us comments, like us on the Facebook, Fantasy Football Addicts
0: i think it's just uh facebook now for all the youngins out there i don't think it's not the google it's not the facebook man
1: always 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 you all
0: right thanks for joining us guys
1: (laughs) thanks addicts until next time